sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Griff, another episode of the Beer Engine podcast. Um, Going to bring in my co-host. You guys know him as the, uh, well, famously a certified Cicerone um, and recently left his uh, work. Um, well, it looks like he got let go, actually. His most recent gig um, is as the uh, cellar master um, at uh, the estate on Little St. James Island, it says here. <laughs> is that right? Um, uh, so yeah, let's welcome in Tony. How are you doing today, Tony? I'm doing well. Now, how did that job end up? Was that, did something happen? Uh, did they not want you there anymore or what? They said that there was some sort, something happening in the external world that was beyond their control, but I think it was bad business management really when it comes down to it. But I'm not going to second guess anybody. This is an opportunity, an opportunity for me to become a world-class broadcaster. And as you can see by how clearly I've spoken in this opening, it's right on track. Yeah. And you're here with me too, which I think really uh, signifies you're on the uh, roller coaster ride straight to the top. Um, well, I could not have picked a better in. partner. Oh. Look, there's... there's oh, yeah. Like... Well, Rob is here, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so, actually, Griff, I got to jump in and... I got to jump in really fast, man, because hearing Tony say that, you know, he's on his way to become a world-class broadcaster, this is, what, his fifth podcast? So really, if he doesn't get to that level at this point, I think he's going to be relegated to amateur status for the rest of his life. <laughs> and I think we should be clear, when you say fifth podcast, you don't mean fifth show. This is the fifth um, fully developed show with thousands of episodes that I've been involved with. No, no, not the fifth show of this podcast, the fifth podcast. Yep. This is probably actually your, I would put it in the somewhere well into the four figures of podcasts that you've either produced or um, been on. Oh, I know for a fact that it's that that it's um, in the low four figures um, for the number of podcasts I have produced. <laughs> Let's bring in our uh, our guest today, Tony. Um, you guys heard him. It's a uh, well known or or known in some circles, at least probably the circle of the people who are listening to this podcast, at least. Um, uh, our friend Rob, aka Photo Man, um, former host of the Rob, tell him the name of that podcast. Well, it slips my memory as we start this. Polarizing show. images. Polarizing images, and. Um, well, actually, the best of any of us here at producing internet content because uh, Rob is much more capable at social media and is uh, also well known, at least in these circles, for his famous amount of days of, of karate. I'm not gonna, I'm not plugging that for you. Um, <laughs> and uh, skilled karate, uh, I'm you'll a mock person, me, but I don't you really know what the terms promote it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> of course, yeah. Welcome, yeah. <laughs> What is the term? I don't know anything about martial arts. Yeah. Are you a martial artist or are you a... I, I'm a martial artist, yes. I, I, I would claim that title. And uh, by the way, I'd also like to thank you. It's, it's great to be back here on Audible. This is a, It's been a long time since oh, I've been God. on a podcast. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> same, same, same listeners, same players. Yeah, the, the names well, are, are to, be fair, to be fair. The amount, of, <laughs> the likelihood that we get to nearly the count of episodes that Audible has made is about zero percent. I would guess, yeah, <laughs> no way. 
I, I will, I refuse to commit to that. Um, so Tony, of course, I always mention you are many, many, you're, you're full days away from, from me, Rob, actually you're, you're mere minutes away, uh, from where I, I am. am here in the Chicago area. Um, we are experiencing probably somehow for once, all three of us are actually experiencing something similar in the, uh, current quarantine universe. Um, how is that, how's that treating? I know you have a family. How's that, how are you holding up there? Um, amongst sort of the, the madness probably going on in your house. You know, it's not too bad. No, um, I, I keep saying, thank goodness this happened in, you know, like now in, in April, May, instead of say November when we're stuck in the house here in Illinois in you know, December and January. Um, oh God. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's taken a little bit. And I heard you guys on episode three talking about it <clears throat> to me and, you know, yeah, you get a little stir crazy inside the house, but you, you take all the precautions you can. You minimize the amount that you go out. But like, I'm I'm still going out every day, um, just walking around the neighborhood, going for like a three or four mile walk, just get fresh air and some exercise, and that makes a huge difference. You know, we get as much stuff delivered as we possibly can, and you know, both my wife and I are still working. Um, I'm probably busier than than I am when I was actually in, at the office. So, you know, right now <laughs> there's know. no, yeah, you know, so there there's no real problem for us other than inconvenience and I'll, I'll put up with inconvenience for a while to stay safe. Uh, but I'm looking forward to all yeah, this being course. over. That's for sure. Yeah. I, um, I actually want to, that, that actually brings up a good, uh, I don't know if this is a good story, but it is a story. I, I'm also someone who goes outside pretty much every day, especially right now, because it, who knows, it could be 30, 30 degrees Fahrenheit. I know all my Australian listeners are like, well, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> it's like a thousand degrees or however much it is. Um, but uh, <laughs> I was walking around outside today and I'm, um, I'm very cautious. I am dodging people, you know, 10 foot in front of me before I ever see them. And uh, today a lady comes you know, zipping out of her house, running and just runs right past me on the side of the next to me on the sidewalk. And I am like losing my mind about this. Like, what the hell are you doing? Um, well, you, you I just, I'm right? not comfortable with anyone. Yeah. Nope. I stuck my leg out, just knocked her right down. Um, Kyle nice, would never good. charge you for that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but no, I, I was, uh, I am very anti anyone getting very paranoid at this point for anyone getting uh, too close to me, even though, as I think about it, the likelihood of the milliseconds that somebody is passing you by um, somehow transferring something uh, to you seems relatively all near zero, I would guess. But I, I'm not risking it. No, that's understandable. And I think that's the smart move because you're right. I think, you know, as you said, the mere milliseconds of, of passing by, nothing's going to happen. But the problem is when you do it once, you do it twice and then you do it a third time and all of a sudden you let your guard down. Yep. And then that just changes your behavior altogether. Next thing you know, you're not paying attention to it anymore. So it's more just keeping awareness of yourself to keep away. Because I do the same thing. Because in, in our area of, uh, of the city, on a day like today, you know, I was, you know, I'm walking up the sidewalk, but I had to step off onto the street probably a dozen times because yeah, people were right. walking up. Anyway, and so I'm keeping a, a distance of anywhere from, you know, 15 to 20 feet. So... Yep. For our Australian listener, I didn't say listeners, listener, um, you know, what's that, you know, three to four meters. Yeah, and and that's sort of the distance I'm keeping as well. Um, and well, I, people I, kind of keep that distance from you anyway, Tony, yeah. you know, let's be honest. That's that's just a general thing that people do with you. Unless I'm dancing, yeah, people tend to stay yes. away. 
Yes. We have not played. We're all, we're all standing 25 feet away <laughs> taking photos of that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how close we were getting in. Well, that, um, that's when Vegas really started to change was when we, we videotaped Dancing Tony. Uh, that feels like 100 years ago, doesn't it? Because it was 100 it years ago. and Exactly. When I was in Vegas, feels like it was 100 years ago at this point, and it was literally six weeks ago. Um, it, a miracle that I didn't get sick. Yeah. But further to Griff's point about pa- passing people for a millisecond, I don't think the issue is really when you're passing people in the street. I think when things will change, or they're probably still going on for you, Rob, if you do any physical shopping at all, when you're indoors in confines with people, when you're grocery shopping and the crossing there takes longer, even if people are physically distancing, you're under one roof, There's even though it's not considered to be airborne and it's more water vapour um, in its um, contagion, air conditioning and things like that, I think where you are really matters um, to the sort of contact that you're going to have with people going forward. I don't know whether you guys agree with that or not, but I think out on the street, I think, yes, passing people is less of a concern, even though I'm, I'm taking all the measures needed, but I think once we start interacting with people in enclosed environments, that's where the danger factor really ramps up. Yeah. Well, I like to really cough when I'm in, in the grocery store, cough really loud, uncovered, and people give me a wide berth, <laughs> and I figure that that's going to give me a, a yeah. lot of... A, a lot of safety. <laughs> well, I was, uh, there's just no way, uh, you're getting me into a grocery store right now. I've been paying the premium for the, uh, the drop it on my doorstep, um, service. But how long I are those, how long are those deliveries taken Griff? Because I, the last time I tried to place an order because for the first week or so, that's what I was doing. But I've, I've found two problems with it. Number one, underestimating when, when it came to ordering fresh fruits and vegetables, I was totally mm-hmm. underestimating amounts. And, you know, I'd get like this one small head of, you know, lettuce. I was like, oh man, I should order like five times that. But the other right. thing now is it can take like five or six days for deliveries to be scheduled. So are you that yeah, organized? I haven't, that. I haven't run into it. Uh, I am not that organized and anyone who's ever <laughs> met me will will say that. I mean, you've met me a couple times, Rob, but you haven't seen my real life. Um, I'm totally relying on, on like kind of keep me upright almost pretty much she is the person who is like okay here's sort of the running list of things and we order it frequently enough and also i would say there's a difference in that and this is sort of the same difference that i think we ran into with brian is i don't have any little mouths running around saying like i need something in the relative immediate you know what i mean compared to a few days right so we haven't had any four to five day length waits i usually am i'm fine with the next day and i that's never been a problem um but uh i also maybe would i I would probably be like eh, whatever you know whenever it gets here i can get by on whatever i have because i'm usually sort of jumping in front of it as best as i can um i get your point about the fruit though because i've never i um clearly we're (laughs) maybe the three of us are a little overprivileged here but i don't look at the receipt and think about like Oh, damn, that was three pounds of apples, huh? Okay, cool. You know, like now I have that internalized. It's just like I grabbed a handful of them and I was like, yeah, whatever, it looks fine, you know, and then ran yeah, out the door it. of the grocery store. Yeah. I didn't realize the extent to which I bought groceries based on, on visual volume. It's sort of like when Brian measures drinks, right? You know, he's, <laughs> yeah. so he pours his drinks based on the size of the, yeah, that does me when I go grocery shopping. It's all just, all right, 
here's a whole bag of, of apples or here's everything I need for this. And I never, ever weighed it. I didn't care because I, yeah, I no, knew I visually how, how much I needed. Yeah. Who, this is the right amount, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I know there are scales, at least in Australian grocery sh- stores. I haven't been into many US ones, but I imagine in the produce section there are scales available for people to use them. Oh, but yeah. I, I've never used them. Of course there are. Um, yeah. And I rarely see people using them. I can probably count on one hand over my lifetime the, the amount of people I've seen using those, those scales. It's just not something we tend to need to do. Maybe if you've really got um, tight purse strings, you, you do do that or you're catering for an event. But just in general, I think most people shop visually and that definitely has been an adjustment with fresh produce, definitely. Um, but even with um, boxed items off the shelf, unless you, you're taking a stock take of what you're actually eating, you can grossly overestimate in some instances what you're using and in other cases underestimate and, and be stuck with 80,000 cans of baked beans and and two slices of bread if you if you get that wrong. Dale Gribble, yeah. Yeah. So like six people get that joke, but um <laughs> the the <laughs> I'm not to not to this is now just going to be a recurring bit on our show is going to be me talking about getting beer delivered to my house. But um, <laughs> so play that bumper, Tony. Uh, that will be coming. I am. Sh- I am. I am shitty at sort of I, I have a I have an inflated sense of confidence when I look at 12 beers in my fridge. I'm like, that's pretty good. I'm probably pretty good for a while. And then the weekend ends. I'm like, oh, damn, there's six left. <laughs> the hell, you know? <laughs> I thought I had enough forever. Uh, it's just not, it's, it's a very stupid, like false um, sense of, of comfort. And I think the same with food, right? I'm like, shit, I bought like, uh, you know, I, I bought two pounds of like, like kind of um, chuck cut up of beef. And uh, then I used one. I'm like, no, I only have one left, you know? So I, I don't know what, I don't know what, at what level of purchase I would have to have to be like, I'm good, you know? Because I sort of want to get to a point where I don't ever have to do the ordering again, but food doesn't work that way and consuming doesn't work that way. So maybe I'm just, damn, I think I'm just like understanding consumption. It's weird, you know? Well, I don't know. <laughs> are, 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 Rob, are you jealous of those people? Not for their beliefs or, or are you jealous of preppers now because they've got a ready stockpile <laughs> ready to go um, and they've got like fava beans and fava beans and fava beans coming up out their wazoo and canned tomato soup. I'm, if you don't rinse those, they're toxic, fava beans, <laughs> yeah. just so you know. I'm not sure jealous is the right word. Um, more like, hmm. <laughs> more like, well, hmm. you hmm. Well, I appreciate their preparedness and that's nice for them. Yes, I appreciate their preparedness, but not their commitment to it. How's that? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, I think there's, um, but I also, I would say like, I'm not, I, you, we're all people who like food, right? Tony and I host a damn food podcast, right? Rob, you and I have, have broken yeah. bread together. You are, you enjoy yep. a good meal. We've eaten intestines together, you know, whatever. In, in, but, exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, that poor raccoon. But there's also the, there's also the people who do not care, right? They will drink the nutrition goo, you know, they'll drink Soylent or they'll eat like, I don't give a shit. I will eat a pound of, uh, I will just eat cut up broccoli and chicken every day forever. 
Doesn't matter yep. to me. It's uh, Skip Bayless, I think, famous. I don't know if you guys know who Skip Bayless is. Tony, I'm sure yeah. you do. But oh, Of course I know um, who Skip Bayless is. Rick ba- it's, Bayless it's is. Rick, it's Rick Bayless's <laughs> brother, right? Which is very funny to me. He's a famous, you know, he's the sports guy, right? He's the sports, uh, you know, he does the first take or whatever the hell the show's called now that he's on. But On Fox Sports um, 1. Yeah. Yeah. But he will eat chi- plain fucking chicken breast, uh, one of my least favorite food items in the world right white just a hunk of boneless white meat chicken and a bunch of unseasoned vegetables and he will just eat that every meal forever he didn't care uh his brother one of the most famous chefs in the world right (laughs) um and he doesn't give a shit uh but there's just people like that and at times like this i'm kind of jealous of that very much so damn it would be real easy if i could just eat the nutrition soylent and get on with it I don't know if you guys are. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that. Maybe I'm not really because I do enjoy eating, and it's one of the few like pleasures I get. But oh, maybe absolutely. my brain would yes. redirect to something more interesting if I if I weren't weren't just like constantly like today. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll make a tostada, you know, or whatever, and I'm just nerding out about this crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, my my whole thing with the preppers, of course, is just you know, these are the guys who plan to. In, in case of a global crisis, be able to shelter for months and months on, on end. And then after three weeks, they're the ones in, in protesting in the street asking for everything to reopen oh, yeah. because they have to get their hair cut. Yeah, so, I was thinking like I said, the exact same thing. I'm, I'm all, I, yes, I'm jealous of, of their uh, ability to prepare ahead. Um, it, I, but I laugh at their commitment to it. <laughs> yeah, and the sanity is not, I'm not, I'm not inspired by their, like, by the level of, uh, to the bid isn't good enough. That's the problem. They're all running outside to, um, you know, protest on the Michigan Michigan Capitol building or whatever. You know, I mean, right? It's not, mm-hmm. They're not. They're not buying into it. When at the one point where we could use them to just go lock themselves in the bomb shelter for a while, you know, they won't even together. They won't even get on it. Problem solved. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. At once. Rob, I did hear. I heard a can open on our way into this. Did you? Uh, what are you? What are you drinking? You you drinking a bubbly uh, water there? Or you got you got something with a little kick on it. Actually, what's funny is I, I am, in fact, drinking a bully water. That was the can. But I am drinking uh, a glass of 1796 small batch bourbon. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I can't drink. I find I just can't drink beer anymore. There's something. Yeah. There's some of the beers, I, I get stuffed up. And the only thing, maybe you guys can actually help, help me figure this out. Because there's some ingredient in some beers that caused me to get stuffed up. And it's not that I can't breathe, but it's like I'm like, I have a cold, right? Just gets my sinuses all, all going. I've, there are chocolate malts that do it. There are chocolate malts that don't. There are wheat beers that do it. There are wheat beers that don't. Um, the only thing I can isolate is that there's some strain of hops that causes it. Well, there could be a couple of things. There could yeah, be a yeast actually. could be, be yeast, yeah. could be a hops, or it could be a malt thing and i don't <laughs> uh, narrowed it down tony which, thanks yeah. could, could it be water <laughs> too by any chance right, yeah <laughs> other than water yeah. you, you, it could be any of those three so with the fact that you you're able to drink bourbon and scotch i'm guessing scotch isn't a problem we can eliminate then the malt mm-hmm. from from that right um now there's really nothing i else. know i mean there's our one of our local bottle shop uh owners um has a problem with anything that's she would say it had to be like quote unquote, like mixed culture or wild. Um, 
I don't know if that's that's not specifically true because that doesn't narrow it down enough. It it was some kind of theoretically it would be some sort of uh, you know one of the bacterium that would uh, inoculate the beer as a wild beer, right? As like a sour, but those bacterium can exist in lots of other types of beers, right? They don't have to be wild. Right. And you know, it's funny as sour beers. Bacchus could be in like all kinds of different beers for all we know, you know? Yeah. So I just figure at this point then, since, you know, a beer may or may not cause a problem, whiskey doesn't. So just switch to whiskey. Yeah. And wine. I actually made a very, uh, um, ironic choice in bourbon recently. I don't know if you've seen this, Rob, but I, uh, uh, the famous, uh, Jepsons. Are you familiar with Jepsons? I assume I am. Are. Yep. They started making bourbon. Um, so I, uh, I did buy a bottle of Jepsons bourbon. I, it is not going to be, uh, anything to the level of, of what you're drinking or even to anything in the level below that, but it's, um, it's a perfectly suitable, uh, replacement for something like i don't know knob creek if you want to mix up right fashion so that's my promotional uh read for <laughs> jepson's bourbon it's better than malort well but if you want to make a malort old-fashioned you might want to try that too i don't know speaking of malort Ew. that used to be a running bit on the polarizing images podcast griff i don't know that's if right. you were aware of that that we used to get used to try and get our uh, co-host who would occasionally fall asleep while we were we were recording <laughs> Uh, to uh, to indulge in some malort through what what kind of vessel, Rob? So, would... so well, that's the thing, and we can never get it because we had this great idea for a bit, and maybe you guys, you know, I'll gift it to you guys, <laughs> and maybe you can run with it. It was what could we get Rick to drink through a red vine? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> drink malort through a red vine? <laughs> yes. I don't know if I've. That's a that's an interesting idea. Um, right? Could make we'll, a good we'll chat video. Try a beer through a red vine. Yeah. I mean, red. Actually, they're in some of the whiskeys. Yeah, some of the whiskeys might might be okay. I think I think there are some great spirits that would would go great through a red vine. Um, some of Mad the rum twenty twenty. <laughs> oh sure. Uh, what's that? A hypnotic. Get some hypnotic through the red vine. I think that's. I think that'd be pretty cool. Hip- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, any beers that you would think of, Griff, that would pair through a red vine. I, I don't know. I did drink a beer tonight, guys, that uh, was called Key Lime Pie. Oh, you've um, been telling me about this. This sounds amazing. Oh, dude, this is extremely good. Um, it's is extremely it, does weird it, looking. Does yeah. it taste like, like Key Lime? It tastes to a tea like Key Lime Pie. Um, even has sort of the dairy-like component of that. Like it has this really kind of, yeah. Because one of the most uh, disappointing it's, beers. It's the color, too. Okay. Because yeah. one of the most disappointing beers I've ever had was banana bread. Oh yeah, that no, was that's not good. I had it on tap, and it was it was interesting. And then I had a bottle of it, and the bottle was just horrific. Honestly, I so think now, I think uh, I think Dunkelweizen, like a traditional German Dunkelweizen, yep. tastes more like banana bread than the banana bread beer. <laughs> yeah, if you if you go go for something that tastes, if you like that in your beer and it's not for everybody but i would i would look for a uh, even the weinstefan um dunkelweizen is a good banana bread ish flavor without being explicitly banana vet bread and um, i remember buying the wells and the wells del chocolate which is fine at least has a resemblance to chocolate but yeah those beers are <clears throat> a little bit frustrating i agree yeah they've they've um, been caught up in the marketing 
for sure. And I think yeah, I would I would drink the key lime pie through a red vine just if you want to if you want to know the type of beer or any of these types of beers which I've affectionately called in the past I believe uh, gloop, um, gloop is a just these extremely overfruited uh, beers that are good to drink for about six ounces. And then you're like, pass, I'm done, you know, mm-hmm. but it's a fun sipper. Um, and they're usually low alcohol, but I think gloop and a red vine would be a, a fine combo, frankly. Um, in fact, right. some of them well, even have like licorice characters. So. Rob, if you were going to sacrifice yourself to get back on the beer train, what beers would you be looking to have maybe six or eight ounces of at any one time? What are you really missing? Are you intrigued by some of these new flavours like key lime pie? Are you missing old favourites like stout? Or do you just want a good old-fashioned American macro? Actually, English bitters. On on cask. That's the way to yeah. go. Um, That's the good Wells. Wells, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, there's a few ESBs that we get here in Australia on cask, and they are delightful. And I imagine during a Chicago winter, that would be absolutely perfect, served at cellar temps. Bavarian Lodge used to kick those out nice. I, I, I really do miss an English bitter, and, and, and served on cask. And that's one of the things I'll miss from being in isolation when I'd go down to the football and, and go and see my team lose. Um, they're kind of like Chicago Bulls, current Chicago Bulls, but without any of the previously good history. Um, yeah. and, oh, and there's one other, of course, Fosters, right? <laughs> the first yeah, and only... The most popular beer in Australia. Yeah. yeah, the first and only time I've had Fosters was in Chicago at yep, a... Um, I remember that. At a Wild Wings um, in a ginormous yeah, can. That's cool, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we it, um, uh, we hooked up with Poker Pro. That is correct. Yep. Oh, Poker. I wanted to um, uh, tell you I'm drinking a beer, and this is going to be a nice warm up for uh, a little uh, a little. I actually wrote it. We wrote a, no, or I did, and we'll see how it goes. But um, this is a real beer, so I'm spoiling this one already. Uh, it is called "I Made the Mistake of Sitting in the Map Seat Again." <laughs> um, is the name of the beer. And uh, it is a is a hazy IPA, of course, and it is. It, this is from a brewery in New York. It's Evil Twin in New York. You're familiar with Evil Twin, Tony? I think. Absolutely. Um, yep, I've had some of these. They just stuff. recently, uh, Yepe recently opened his own place um, in New York City. The can design is all kind of different now, and they have these cool pictures on it. But most of the beers have names that are relevant to New Yorkers who have kind of shared experiences purportedly of doing different things. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, just like maybe Chicagoans do, which is probably only partially true. But in this case, it's somebody who rides a subway and they sit in the seat with the map and then somebody is looking at the map, but they're staring right. It looks like they're staring right at you is the idea. Of I, get, I get that. And I think that happens everywhere in the world with a, with a decent exactly. public transport system. Yeah. It's creepy. But, uh, Delicious beer, I will say that. Um, it doesn't. Um, oh yeah, no, this has uh, Idaho Seven, Idaho Seven Cryo Citra and Mosaic um, is your combo in here. So now um, I'm just going to get all big geeky with you, Griff, here for a second. What's your thoughts on Cryo hops? I don't. I don't think. I don't feel like I know enough. Um, I know that there's an element that they're supposed to lend to the, frankly, the look of the beer, right? From yeah. A yep. The haze. Haziness helps. perspective, like more of the 
there's there's going to be like some sort of I don't know more suspended solid I guess um, which will therefore lend some sort of flavor component to it. Um, I don't think about it enough. That's actually my problem with hops in general with uh, beers is I don't I just don't spend a lot of time thinking about the hops. I um, I know the ones I really like, uh, which is you know most of them. And I can kind of detect some of the taste, but then, I mean, if you don't pull that out, then I'm saying, all right, you know, oops, you know, I think cryo, the cryo element probably helps you if you are having a hard time getting extraction would be my guess, you know, um, when you're dry. I mean, but yeah, I don't know. The main thing is being able to throw, um, hot flavors. The most, most of the, um, flavor compounds at a beer without, becoming too high in vegetable matter and too high in IBUs because you're picking up IBUs, which is essentially a way of measuring bitterness, not a not a great way of measuring bitterness, but it's what we use in the beer industry. Um, and by using cryo hops, you, you don't tend to raise the, the IBUs and you don't tend to get that green vegetable taste that can um, sort of... Um, creep into sure. some of these really, yeah. really extremely hopped beers. So. Like a beer I had yesterday, which will go unnamed because I think I drank it early. I think that these beers are getting released so fast that they can't condition anymore. Um, but I drank a beer yesterday a little bit fresh, and it um, tasted like chewing on a tulip. It was so green <laughs> tasting. It was just really, really, really back of the tongue bitter. Do not recommend. I know you haven't been doing a lot of beer drinking, Rob, but have you tried any of these new hazy IPAs from the past couple of years? No, I haven't. But, you know, listening to the show, I'm I'm tempted. You know, summer's coming up. So maybe I'll just have to sacrifice my body for, for the greater good and <laughs> well, start drinking beer again. Don't do it alone. Get a friend around. Get uh, your wife to indulge. Just share a can. Don't don't try and... That's, that's, what, that's what we do. Yeah, don't, don't be a hero like Griff and... and and hoard these bombers. No, no, no. I'm, I, I, I tend to lean towards being a hero. So, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to let go to waste. I'll, I'll, I'll force it down. Well, that's something that Griff and I um, discussed in one of the shows. Is he, we were specifically talking about beer festivals and and when he dumps and when when he keeps a beer. And I was just wondering whether that extends to bad examples that you purchase. Do you? Do you soldier through those beers that you paid good money for or or did you dump that, that tulip beer? Depends. Mostly because I drank it kind of cold at the start and I wanted it to warm up. And it did get better as it started to warm up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have, especially the last two ounces just got real, like, hop solid E, which everybody loves to do is chew on a piece of grass or a flower or whatever for a while. Um I mean, a, a nice digestive, I'm sure, you know, but not, not for this purpose. It was kind of unnecessary. Um, but, yeah, no, I'll dump. I mean, I, I famously dumped a – not famously, famously to me. Um, <laughs> I did dump a $30 barrel-aged bottle just because it was totally – it tastes like cinnamon. It smelled like – you guys ever smell cinnamon Altoids? Yes. Are you from the, You don't know what oh, Altoids yeah. are, but, Rob, yeah. you probably do. I'm familiar with Altoids. I just didn't know there was a cinnamon variation. A cinnamon, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, just this like really harsh, like it's like a hot, you know, the hot tic tac type of thing or whatever. It just has that really, really harsh smell. I opened the beer, I took one whiff of it, and I was like, "This ain't gonna be good." And I took one sip and just sorry, 
no way <laughs> this ain't <laughs> happening today this is a it's not it was like heartburn mouth burn just waiting to happen it's like there is no way that's going to be pleasant um yeah so so rob you know we have you um you, on our past show i did uh i did of course make a, a snide uh, remark about your 30 days of karate uh um, well, uh, not so much uh, a snide market as several. Um. Yep. Well, <laughs> of course. But uh, yeah. I will say that also, <laughs> as a as a person who um, played uh, the snare drum and marching band for many many years, uh, far be it for me to uh, call anyone else silly for doing something that I don't understand <laughs> in any particular way. <laughs> and uh, so, as somebody who um, would sit on. Uh, in my house uh, and play uh, essentially eighth notes with every other note accented for many hours at a time. Um, essentially you would play these uh, eighth notes like alternating and you would develop, it would develop muscle strength. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is uh, that probably wouldn't make sense to anybody. But when I watch your actually very well produced um, and uh, uh, Instagram videos, I am looking at it and I'm saying he's hitting his arm with the thing. Why is he doing that? I don't understand. And I know you don't aren't and I'm not going to ever be able to explain to anyone why it's important. Anyone who isn't doing snare drumming, why it's important to do something like bap, boop, bap, boop, bap, you know, 3000 million times. But right. can you at least give me like the child's version of what it does when you do things like, um, you've got the, the, the bamboo and you're sort of like hitting the, the, your inside part of your forearm. Or I think there was, I, I forget the other thing, but there was something you were doing with your hands that I, I was like, what does that do? And it's not that it, I'm not accusing it of doing nothing. I'm just, I can't no. figure out what it is. Absolutely. So All right. Tell so, me more. Sure. For most of us, if we are ever to have to punch something with any mass, so think of a torso, a head, right? But body part, the likelihood of you breaking several bones in your hand is, is there's a high likelihood of that happening, right? 100%. So just like bodybuilders, when they, you know, they go for those, those really heavy reps, what they're doing is they're doing small micro tears in, in muscle. And as the muscle repairs itself, it gains mass. So what you're basically doing when, when you're striking that, so the video you're referring to is uh, something that's called Tetsutaba, which is actually, it's not bamboo, it's, it's uh, iron. So those are metal rods that I'm, I'm striking my forearm and, and basically and I have to do my shins and my toes. And So the idea is I'm, is I'm creating micro fractures in, in the bone so that the bone heals with more calcium. It actually solidifies and, and creates a denser mass to the bone. So should I ever okay. need to actually punch something, um, I'm in a much better uh, place of like not injuring myself. So it's all about it's, it's bone conditioning. And Crazy. the other thing you see that where I'm, it's like I'm stopping my hand. So I'm, I'm, I've got three different tools, right? One is, again, that's that bundle of, of iron uh, stakes that, that I use. The other, you see me, it was with a speed bag. But what I did on the speed bag was I removed the air bladder and I filled it with about eight and a half, nine pounds of gravel. So I use that for, for striking with, with fingertips and for, for the same purpose. And then I have another bag that's filled with, with gravel and I use that to, uh, to strike back of my hand, palms, side of my hands, fingers. So yeah, that, it's just basically to condition the bones in, in anything that I'd be striking with. So that, again, if I ever have to, hope I don't, but if I ever have, have to, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to hurt, hurt the other guy, not, not myself. Yeah, no, if I punch something, I'm 
one hundred percent going to be breaking my hand. Um, <laughs> the uh, so um, you know the last time that we face to face in person, you I do not remember you being a um, a student of martial arts. Uh, so clearly something um, uh, uh, inspired you to to take this up, or I didn't know. So uh, what, what sort of got you to this point where you're, you seem pretty skilled, you seem pretty capable. Uh, how did you get from, you know, eating intestines with me to eating intestines <laughs> and also uh, punching things? I was say, yeah, as long as you realize that the eating of intestines never went away. Um, There's a little right. bit of column A, a little, little bit of column B. Uh, you know, Tony, you asked me if I'm going to call myself a martial artist. And I say, yes. And what's interesting is that's a question I often pose to other people. I say, you know, at some point, you go from being someone who does martial arts to being a martial artist. But that applies to almost anything we do with our lives, right? So, you know, Tony, if you're a... Sorry, one of my dogs is starting at the other one. Um, <laughs> so let, let's talk about, about your painting, right? At, when you first start off, you are a guy who's, who's learning to paint, who's doing some painting. But at some point, you stop being the guy who does it and you become the artist. And that happens, you know, I'm a guy who cooks to I'm a cook. I'm, you know, so something happens in, for all of us that there's something happens that kind of triggers that, that change. And I'm, I'm always curious with, again, with anything, artists, musicians, and so forth. Are you a person who plays a piano or are you a musician? How does that, or at what point in your life does that switch get thrown? And for me as a martial artist, so yeah, Griff, when, when last time I saw you, I was actually I was over your place. I was doing headshots for, for uh, Kelly. And, oh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yes, at that point I was, I was doing martial arts. But at that point I, I was a guy who was doing martial arts. Uh, so my first foray into martial arts was almost 30 years ago. I was doing Aikido. And then, you know, life, as it often does, gets in the way. And then once we had our kids, um, we thought, well, Want to get our son in, into something? We could sign him up with one type of martial art, and that eh, didn't really work out. So we found this other school that did karate, and thought, well, I was never a huge guy about karate, but you know, if it gets my kid running around for an hour once a week, I'm you know, fine. <laughs> right, yeah. And then I actually just I ended up joining, and uh, yeah, I've been so I've been with our school now for eight or nine years. Um, so I'm a second degree black belt um, in the midst of testing for my third degree. I'm um, I'm the head instructor at two of our locations and training well, on some level. I'm training every single day. That's crazy. But I still drink. I, uh, I still swear. I still, I still eat intestines. Right. Yeah. Well, some things you'll never give up, right? Uh, uh, exactly. I think when I was playing music, I, I was drinking and swearing more, frankly. So I don't know if our artistry seems to only uh, increase the... <laughs> At least in music, I don't know for you, Tony, but art, artistry in music, uh, I think, uh, increases the uh, the uh, the drug use and uh, anger. Maybe martial <laughs> arts. I think it seems to be differently, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I, I don't think it counts any of that. I think it 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 tends you tends to allow you to not give a fuck so much because you are focused on one thing. This is sort of a. a uh, maybe maybe over the top question, but I um, you know, I watch uh, especially now because all I'm doing is watching things, right? Um, and I'm I'm watching. Uh, I've always been a fan of cooking shows. 
that's relatively well known by this group at least. Um, and uh, I, I've always been interested in the the way different guys on these shows or different cooks slash chefs describe themselves, right? Um, but I think the one that I embrace the most um, is like the idea of um, of craftsmen versus um, the idea of uh, I, I think artist, right? With cooking, right? But there's clearly yeah. a difference, and there are artists, right? There's artists, and there's craftsmen, and there's, um, you know, utility people, right? Essentially, boots on the ground, you know, uh, skills, right? I think of people who write music or paint in sort of an artistry sense, right? It depends, but maybe that's not true. Um, now, martial artist, I don't really have a feel for. Um, cooking, I I tend to fit into a craftsman brewing similarly. And I sort of, um, you kind of have to prove it to me with the artistry part. So um, I'm not saying that's true with martial artistry, but what, what do you think is, is there a, is it crafty? Is it a craftsmanship or is it artistry? And, and sort of what would you say is the difference? Yeah. I, I want to hear, I want to hear Tony's take first. I, okay. I, I think the pure term of artist is overrated to some extent because I think craftsmanship is underrated in things like painting and and cooking and um, or music, people that have great technical skill because I think um, you can be an artist without great technical skill but to be an artist with great craftsmanship is is a whole nother level. So you've got great sure. technical skill and you're also using it um, in an individual way. I think when we get into trouble is when we're 100% artists with no technical skill or we're 100% craftsperson with no artistry involved. And I think in a lot of these pursuits, it's a matter of striking that balance where we then go to another level. If Rob is, is doing everything by the book and he's technically perfect but he's not I don't know whether this is the case in, in karate because I don't know the disciplines but if he's not um, developing within that um, karate framework I think it is purely just a craft but I think if he starts developing himself within the framework of karate that's when he becomes a craft person or an artisan which is a word I really like and if he's, he's just going off and creating his own martial arts, while well, he might be an artist, how much value is there for that in, in what he's doing? Um, that's just my view on the whole thing. It's about striking a balance, and that's where you go to a next level. I'm not saying everybody has to be an artisan, but um, I think purely being an artist is overrated, and, and I don't think enough respect is given to craft at times. So I, I think there's there's really, there's two things going on here, right? So first of all, when do we when do we make that switch between being the person who does it to being the person who is it, right? So again, whether we're talking martial arts or whether we're talking brewing or or whatever. So there's there's when when do we make that switch in, in our own heads, and when do we kind of introduce ourselves as the person who is that as opposed to the person who does it? For me, um, and then the second part of that question is, what does it mean to be an artist? And that's what I think you were coming up on uh, quite well, Tony. So for me, the switch between being the guy who does martial arts and being the martial artist or being the guy who knows how to cook and being being a cook, there comes a point when 
that activity becomes an integral part of who you are and how you live. I, I think that's a good call. So think of, yeah, it's, yeah. Let's, let, let's talk about musicians, right? So the person who plays the piano. At what point are you no longer a person who plays piano, but rather you are a musician? Well, it's when it no longer becomes an activity or, an, or a hobby and becomes part of your lifestyle, it becomes who, who you are. And the importance of that in your life becomes uh, critical, right? So I'd say that's the, my answer for the first part. I, I make that switch between being the guy who does martial arts and being a martial artist because at some point it became as much of who I am and the role it plays in, in my life is it becomes important. So, but what does it mean to be the artist? Well, you know, in martial arts, there's there's two words, right? There's martial and there's art. There's there's the you know the techniques that we study and, and we we strive to master and, and or at least become really good at the martial side, right? The the uh, the the fighting, the self defense, and you know the weapons and so forth. But then there's an art side, and that's one of the reasons why I'm drawn to it. And I think, as I explained a little bit, Tony, I think you'll see some parallels between how I approach martial arts versus how I approach photography. Think about all the conversations we had on polarizing images those years ago there's an art side to it as well there is um you know not not everyone engages in this but you know there's there's meditation there's reading there's uh, you know mm -hmm. trying to live a healthier lifestyle right i mean it, in the last eight or nine months i've lost 65 pounds uh, and that's <laughs> yeah you're just gonna think you're unwell now yeah so you know, that's, and it's all part and parcel of, of it, but there's an art side to it. You know, the samurai of Japan were also known to be great musicians and great artists as well as, you know, fierce warriors. Uh, and same thing with, you know, we talk about, let's go back to being musicians, right? The, there's an art to it. There's, when a, when a musician sits down at a keyboard or picks up their guitar or violin or whatever their, their instrument is, the practice of, playing becomes a little meditative right and yeah. oh yeah that's the art side of it that's a great point yeah even with snare drumming which i would say is truly a, a craft a crafty type skill um i would never call myself an artist it was i was not a great musician by any stretch of the imagination but um there was something once you kind of got in the zone of it you were very yeah. much like lost at, you know um, cooking has that effect on me too, right? You're cutting vegetables up. Yes. That's why I wear a glove at this point, but you just sort of like, <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm sick of this. I'm going to cut vegetables for a while and you aren't thinking about whatever stupid thing from work or, or, or whatever. Yeah. There's, there's that, there's the things in the kitchen that we would often would think of like being the scut work, like chopping vegetables, peeling, you know, beets, yeah, chopping onions, carrots, yeah, whatever, yeah. peeling carrots. But yeah, when, when you enjoy cooking and you know what the result's going to be and you get into that zone of you're just, you know, you're, you're focused on that and you're not right. worrying about the fact that I, I just got off a really crappy phone call from, from work 30 minutes ago and I'm still pissed off about it. Right. That's, that's now, now in the past. The only thing I would add to that, and I, I think you're right, Matt, but there's, there's no rule that says that this all happens at once and we don't go through phases where in developing our our skill set that we fluctuate from artist to to craftsperson to to learner um even within well, remember tony I, i'm going to jump in because remember we've talked about this several times on polarizing images 
Um, and this is the most we've ever referred to in a dead podcast. Um, but we said, yeah, we, we, we had the talk first about, three episodes of this one. So, <laughs> um, you know, in order to advance as, as a photographer, as that artist, you need to both continually work on your creative side as well as the technical side. And rarely, mm. yes. rarely did that occur at the same time. Yes, absolutely. Often you were ahead creatively of where you were technically, and then you would go through um, creative yep. droughts and you, your technically, technical proficiency would, would really up itself. And then there are other times when it was just purely a meditative thing. And, and that's certainly true in the other art form I've engaged in since um, uh, scaling back. Of, of the 30 art forms that you've engaged Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Cheese <laughs> making, let's do it. Yeah. I, I, I make no apologies for having 80,000 different fucking hobbies. And, and I, that, I quoted it in our <laughs> description, yeah. Yeah, and, and um, I don't think you should either. Um, and Griff has had a couple in his time. He's, he's now a master drinker. He, he's on his way to becoming a master he's. chugger. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be bad. I'm the next bad lands he, chugs. I have to gain he, 600 he, pounds, I think, to be uh, the next uh, master chugger based on my YouTube research, but... Well, he, he, um, you've, uh, you also now have a uh, emergent circulator for doing sous vide. I do. I need to. I need to do something interesting with it. Good. A good time to get a new immersion circulator is to not be able to go to the grocery store. I think that's really a nice combo. Oh, but there's uh, some great places to order some amazing uh, grass-fed beefs and and other I know meats. I should do that. That's a good idea, Rob. Yeah. You can you can make some great queso fresca. In, oh, uh, I heard that. I would so you talk about, talk about cheese I, making. I heard mashed you, potatoes are good in there too. Yeah, I got to do a few of these things. Oh yeah. So what you do with mash? You get the little uh, like like the little baby potatoes, and, mm. and you put them in, and then when you, they come out, what, what you do is you mash them. Um, like each it's one, so they're almost like a little disc, and then just a quick uh, dip in hot oil to, to fry them. And oh, it's, it's like a it's uh, like a smashed potato, yeah, yeah. But imagine like a smashed French fry. All right, got to do that. So, uh, fellas, um, I would like to introduce uh, the possibility uh, here as we start to wrap up of playing our very first game on this show. What do you guys think about that? I think that's an excellent idea. It has a little bit of a saw uh, over over uh, tone, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, exactly. I, I don't know if I could do the voice. I bet I could pull off the voice if I tried. Um, so uh, we'll see how this goes. But uh, for our first uh, ever, this is a beer-related game, and it is called Two Brews and a Lie. Um, so the rules of the game are pretty simple. If, if you're familiar with the game Two Truths and a Lie, um, you uh, should be familiar with this. Uh, essentially, I have three different rounds. Uh, they're themed. That's going to make it fun, right? And um, uh, I'm going to make Rob and Tony guess which one of these three different beers or breweries are fake. Uh, you don't have to guess which ones are real. You just have to guess the fake one. The other ones will obviously have been real. Okay. So all I've done... I'm giving you the name of the beer or brewery, and I'm going to okay. give you the description copied and pasted from either the About Us page on their brewery. Does that make sense? Do you agree to these rules? I do. Okay. Absolutely. 
So round one, we're going to call the fruits round. So if you guys can just start, put your goggles on, um, start to try to see if you can peer through the bands of reality and guess which one of these I'm trying to fool you with here. Okay, I'm putting on my virtual horn rim glasses for this round. I, I imagine they're enter the Enter the beer engine imaginarium and, and gasp, stare aghast at the fake beers I invented. Beer number one is called Zeus Juice. Uh, it is an ambrosia-inspired sour ale. Now, are you familiar with ambrosia, Tony? Absolutely. It's a Christmas staple. Okay, so like the uh, marshmallow salad type thing? Kind of, yes. Ours is slightly different, but yes, it's a, it's a terrible salad from like the 60s or 70s. Rob, are you familiar with this item? I am. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, so this beer has, uh, it says it's an ambrosia-inspired sour ale with tangerine... Pineapple, cherry, coconut, lactose, and marshmallows. Uh, beer number two is called Double XL Technotronicus. It is a sour double IPA with tangerine, kefir lime, milk sugar, and dry hopped with Sabro and Mosaic hops. And number three is called Chuck Berry Twister Bodega Smoothie. <laughs> And it is a sour IPA brewed with pomegranate, blueberry, vanilla, and milk sugar. Oh, I hope that's real. So, Tony, which one do you think is fake? I think it's beer number or beer number two. I, I, I think that's that's too stereotypically beer. That's that's an easy choice for a beer name. I think that the other two are more far out there, so therefore mm. they're more plausible within this game. And I really hope okay. that last one is 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 a real thing. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I started laughing towards it. Yeah, sure. Uh, Rob, what do you think? I I'm going to call bullshit on number one, Zeus Juice. Uh, well, Tony has got it right. It's uh, the fake one, the one I made up. Uh, Tony, you got it right. Um, I you get to sit, preserve your index fingers for another round. Double uh, XL Technotronicus is a made-up beer. Um, the million dollars that you said you'd donate to the orphanage is still in play um, if you win the game. So excellent! Uh, congrats on that. Look, just with the two real beers, um, I definitely want to try both those beers. Griff, have you tried? Zeus either? Juice is a beer I've had. I will say that and I did drink that beer. Was it Ambrosia like in its um, delivery? Um, it was better. I mean, I'd rather drink that beer than eat ambrosia salad. Uh, it was just like a red, just like fruity beer. It was only 4% alcohol, so it drank really easy. It wasn't gloopy, and it tasted like pineapple and cherries, you know, and it had a nice texture to it from the lactose. So nice. it was delicious. And is Chuck Berry on your wish list or whatever? The- Chuck Berry Twister Bodega Smoothie is actually of beer i was drinking earlier uh from evil twin um of course it's uh, evil and twin. yes i would love to have that yeah i would love to drink that beer okay cool <clears throat> so the next round is a brewery round and this is called ill-advised names and uh i have no idea if you're going to get these or um actually my fear with rob is he's going to know because he has a um he might have some just knowledge of of sort of the 
USA, I guess, at this point. Although I guess we're, I guess so does Tony. He sort of he's heard it anyways. And you've got to remember um, that we are both foreigners. Rob, of course, being Canadian. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're all foreigners. Yeah. It's perfect. This is gonna work out great for me. <laughs> all right. Brewery number one. And I'm gonna get through all three of these without laughing. I promise. Or maybe. Um, <laughs> I'm not. Brewery number one is uh, named WWG1WG Ales. Now, are either of you familiar with the relevance of that acronym? It sounds like I should be, but I'm not familiar with that acronym. Why is the first WWG1WG Ales? I'm my my uh, my folks out there are losing their mind, uh, uh, but uh, I will go on and maybe you'll get uh, you'll you'll kind of grasp it. Okay. Our Rochester, Minnesota brew pub is located, and I remember I'll remind you by the way. I'm just copying and pasting this, shit, yes, so I, gotcha. I can't I can't take credit for like the the uh, messed up grammar that's in this garbage. So I I know I'm an English major. You can't blame me for this. Uh, our Rochester, Minnesota brew pub is located equal distance from Roswell and 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, home of President Trump. The president is capitalized for some reason. We serve classic Minnesota-style tavern pizza, complete with our own kids-only basement. Don't worry. This is in italics for some reason. Uh, don't worry. It's just arcade games in ours. Exposing <laughs> I, I the dark... Date makes us thirsty, so we built a place where believers can meet and enjoy some delicious American-style lagers, dot, dot, of beer. Did you guys get that one? I got that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the first one. Um, it, it does, it sounds like they have sort of a point of view there. It um, sure does. The next one is a little bit shorter. This brewery is called One Allegiance. And there about us only says one country, one language, one flag, united by beer. I feel like I should be standing up when, when you say that. <laughs> yep. Uh, you should have been standing up for the last, frankly. Um, <laughs> uh, and running. Uh, and the third one is called Guncraft Beer. And this one description uh, reads, uh, to quote the text of our Second Amendment Red IPA label description, Guncraft Beer honors the bloodshed to create this great constitutional republic. God damn it, I, I so told you I wasn't going to laugh. <laughs> Nation that has lifted the world to new heights, the cornerstone protecting all freedoms in America. Without it, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness would only be a dream. And the fo- the rest is all in caps. So it's all caps. It says, cheers, salute the red, white, and brew. Freedom you can taste. And it's all caps. So. Wow. <laughs> one of those breweries is fake. And the uneasy part you guys might have to deal with is that two of them are real. Um. Which is actually worse to think about, but I was say because now there's there's a thing I know that I can't unknow, right? So you're gonna have to yeah. also realize that two of them do exist, and I, I didn't preface this. All of the beers and all the breweries are 
active commercial breweries that are selling beer. There's no home brews in here. And I, all the beers have to have, um, obviously, except for the ones that are fake, right? Have to have at least 100 check-ins on untap. So it's a, a commercial beer that has been bought and drunk. Um, same with the breweries. So of those three, which one do you guys think is uh, I made up out of my big genius brain? I'll, I'll give the Canadian first shot at this one. Oh, man. Um, you know, you're right, Griff. I, frankly, I don't want any of them to be real. And unlike the first round, which is I kind of wanted all of them to be real. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go with the first one again. The, what is it, the WWG one? The sure. Pizza Gate one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with the second one again. And the reason I'm going with oh, the wow. second one is because I think knowing Griff, like myself, he's quite lazy. So um, even though he invented this game, that's why it's um, so short. And the third one just rings so true. That yeah. that has yeah. to be legit. I see. Uh, so Rob is right. Number one is I made it up. Ah. Um, and oh. I would uh, like to say that I, I made it up <laughs> and I looked at the three afterwards because I thought I made up something so absurd that nobody could guess. <laughs> Or that, that not that no that anyone would guess it. Nobody could get it wrong. But I made it so absurd. And then I looked at guncrafts again. And I was like, damn, my thing I wrote is not that unhinged compared to this. Um uh yes, it's all uh, QAnon shit is what I uh, what I did. I, I took it all from QAnon stuff. So I don't know if the the the, the acronym is a QAnon acronym. It stands for where we go one, we, we go, go all. Yep. Yeah. Um if you guys are I did have to get way too familiar with QAnon mythology. Um, damn, somebody just got mad because I said it was mythology. That's pretty good. Please email me if you got mad about that. No, um, email another podcast. I want to talk to you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, email another podcast. Rando, send the email, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> Exposing the dark state. Uh, the pizza basement. You got that right. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. Good. Um, all right. So final round. This has been this is a uh, relatively fun sure. Yeah, um, I'm having a, a blast. I don't give a fuck about round it. three. A big deal in the U.S. I think I saw something from Australia when I was doing my research here. Um, uh, a big issue in U.S. craft brewing is people can't stop making and gross and have gross shit in them and are sexy or whatever and offensive. Um, and we just love doing it. We can't stop. They're out there. We got so this is the naughty round. Um, these beers are all have naughty themes, and they're gross, um, <laughs> or they're hot. I don't know. Whatever you guys are into, who knows? Beer number one, and I, I'm not. I am gonna laugh at these ones because they're very hard to say without laughing. Uh, beer number one is named uh, Jesus Jizz. <laughs> And uh, the description of this beer is relatively straightforward. It is a hazy IPA, uh, heavily hopped with whole flower mosaic hops with subtle spicing. That's it. That's all they tell. You. That's all they give you for Jesus jizz. I like the uh, subtle spicing on the end. Yeah, I was to say the same thing. Subtle. Yeah, I like it. I agree. That is okay. that is relatively subtle. <laughs> um, so that's a hazy IPA, heavily hopped with whole flower mosaic, subtle spicing. Hey. You know what? I would. I. I don't think I'm the type who could walk up to the bar and say one Jesus. 
I guess I'm not a particularly religious person, so maybe I could. Absolutely, you um, could walk up to a bar and say, can I have a pint of Jesus cheers? A pint, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's, hey, we'll, we'll test it out next time where, wherever <laughs> they make this beer, yeah. Until um, the gardener looks sideways at you with a smile. <laughs> but you didn't say hey, Zeus. Number two, Jesus is. <laughs> number two is, uh, this sounds delicious, frankly, um, uh, is B-A-S-S, uh, well, it says, I would assume it means, uh, well, let's just assume it says toddy toddy because they put the asterisk there, but maybe it's titty titty. Um, so B-A-S-S titty titty, we'll say. Let's just take a guess and that's what it is. Okay. Um, Do we have a flavor descriptor? Aged in Knob Creek barrels for eight months, this voluptuous, big, beautiful stout has a soulful addition of cocoa and spices and pays homage to one of our all-time favorite musical artists. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so for three... Frank Zappa. <laughs> Moon unit Zappa. <laughs> Uh, number three. No, is, Frank Zappa, uh, teas and beer. Oh, that's right. Well, maybe this one. Maybe this one he likes too. This one is called uh, Big Titty Assassin, and the D, the the titty <laughs> is spelled with two D's instead of T's. And I don't know how usual that is in Australia, but Big Titty Assassin. This Flemish style red ale pays homage to a little known sect of assassins. Slightly tart with a subtle maltiness, this beer is sure to please. Traditionally, it was consumed by the jugful. And mm. that, that's pretty good. Yeah, right? that, is, that is pretty good. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm liking these so, descriptors. So one of these is fake. And I remind you that one of them is fake. And two of them are real. And uh, uh, you, maybe that's less, that's actually less disturbing than the last one. But... They are still kind of weird and gross. So, uh, uh, Tony, which one did I make up um, and pull uh, as a my lovely comedy ass? I'm going to say that you pulled C out of your ass. It just C, sounds... the big se- titty assassin? Yeah, it sounds too much like it's out of a style book. And, yeah. <laughs> I did it with my MFA, yeah. In Cicerone. <laughs> sure, yeah. Rob, what do you got? All right. Well, first of all, I'm going to say, Tony, I know you're wrong because I, I actually know that that's a beer. So I got to choose wow. between number one and number two. Um, it's tough. It is, but you know what? I've, I'm, I'm going to go – I'll go with number two. I think number two is fake. You're right. Number two is fake. Uh, oh. So Rob, Rob leaves with the most fingers. Congrats to Rob. He's got nine left. Um. Still plenty of, I mean, I'm not cutting off thumbs, so you can, <laughs> I think you're still pretty capable of all the all the moves you got to get done, um, except for gouging somebody's eye out, maybe. Um, no, I can, I, I can do it with a thumb. No, oh, perfect. See, problem <laughs> solved. Uh, Tony, you lose a, hand, a couple of fingers here, but uh, you did dodge having to donate a million dollars, so you got to, I mean... Ooh. I guess it was one hand or the other to the orphanage, so, uh, you know. Look, I'll, I'll do- donate my right, right hand every time. You can chop that sucker yeah, off. That, it's not get, doing get much. Get that shit out of here, yeah. <laughs> um, so there you go. That's uh, that's uh, our um, segment that I will probably forget about in two weeks uh, called uh, Two Brews and a Lie. 
I'm a big fan. I think any time we have a guest on, I think we're going to have to play that one. I think it really does work well with a guest, um, especially with with as long foreigners. As, not familiar, as long as they're not inter- intimately familiar, I mean, and nice job by nice pull by Rob, knowing that Big Titty Assassin was a beer and a beer by a well-known brewery, frankly. Yeah, Three um, Floyds, which is embarrassing for Three Floyds that they made something so nasty. But um, hey, whatever. I'm sure it was good beer. I don't know. Um. Yeah, that's a winner. Um, so I think we've uh, probably extended past our uh, um, the amount of time we want to put our listeners into their, uh, I guess, you know, quiet room where they listen to this by themselves silently. Um, Rob, thank you for joining us and enlightening my uh, dumb ass on the value of martial arts. Um, <laughs> of of, of punching a bag of stone? I, well, well, I thanks, won't be doing uh, it, but I certainly appreciate uh, your willingness to do it um, in case you and I are ever together and somebody has to get uh, beaten up because I can't do it. Fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to, to trip you as I run off. No, it was a lot of fun Perfect. talking to you guys again, and uh, I'll look forward to this episode of This in Iowa being out. <laughs> oh, wait. Wrong podcast again. Episode 897. Um, <laughs> uh, Tony, a pleasure as always. Do you have any other uh uh, brilliant words um, to throw out there. I can't when believe are you going to write the next game of this. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe Rob didn't mention behind the bricks. That's the only one he's forgotten to mention. Uh, well, did we, I? Well, neither of us were comics. I don't think. Yeah. Well, hang on. <laughs> uh, no, so we, we brought out a bowl, polarizing images, a table for eight. Um, this one. <laughs> T-A-I. Uh, I think of us are on the DU Diaries. So oh, I think I get, like, oh, oh yeah. Diaries. Of course. That's, <laughs> that's right. Actually, that's... I think I was on it. <laughs> I think you were. And that is the only podcast I've been involved in that's got somebody fired. So so DU Diaries is kind of like, you know, on Netflix, they've got the the special that's got like three episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, so in, in, in your illustrious thing. podcasting career, Tony, I think that, that was it. Yep. Um and Griff, the one thing I will say before we end is I have watched half of Tiger King. Get back on it, and I think next week that it means we, we have to get the full Tony review. And and hell, we I think at this point we might be able to play a two brews and a lie of all Tiger King beers because I've seen a lot of them coming Ooh, out. That sounds good. Yeah, Carol Baskin, we all <laughs> love it. All right. Thanks, fellas. A, a joy as always to our audience. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram now, and I will put crap up there. Maybe uh, our Instagram is Beer Engine Pod, um, and you can find me on Untapped. That's where I'm going to tell people to find me from now on, Tony. Um, my username is at Griff with two F's. A D. I'm going to leave people with a cliffhanger. I do have an Untapped account, but I'm going to save that for next episode. Do you know why? I can't remember my login right now. <laughs> Classic. Uh, all right. Thanks, fellas. Until next time. Later on, everybody. Later, later. <laughs>